Welcome to the Overview of the Review with Assistant Chief John Fetima and myself, Fire Chief Scott Freitag. For those who uh, are not familiar with the review, given this is our first time actually putting one of these out, John, we should probably tell them what it is. It's a good idea. Uh, every Friday, we put out a newsletter, an internal newsletter that actually goes out to nearly 400 people outside of the agency as well. And it, there's usually an article for me to start unless I con John into filling in for me, um, which I try to do on occasion. And I try to avoid it. And then we have a couple of articles in there that are relevant in some way. So the intent of the overview of the review is that we understand there are some folks who just don't get their information from reading. Uh, John's not one of your favorite pastimes, as I understand. <laughs> that is true. I do it uh, when I have to. Got it. So we thought, why not put something out on video and podcast where we talk about the review for those who don't like to read. So um, what's in it or what do I write about? Kind of whatever's on my mind that week. Um, I try to have a filter. It doesn't always work. Um, but this week, John, what we're going to talk about uh, in the Chief's Desk is really exciting. It's something that for years, and, and how long have you been on? I think it's uh, coming up on 18 years here soon. 18 years. So how many times over 18 years has uh, CYFD prior to CAFMA or Chino Valley talked about the, a certificate of necessity to operate transport ambulances? Yeah, like you say, I think it's been a, no, a number of times we've looked at it. You know, If you look at the strategic planning, the SWOT analysis that have come over the, the, the 18 years that I've been a part of the organization, it was a part of uh, those conversations throughout that entire time. And uh, like you say, each time, different discussions, different reasons why we could do it or couldn't do it. And uh, obviously that leads us to where we are at today. Well, and, and this is an interesting uh, place for us to be right now because uh, it was over five years ago that the then board chair, Steve Rutherford, and myself and EMS captain at the time, Doug Naminsky, went down to DHS to have a conversation with them about the problems we were seeing in our area. Mm -hmm. We left that meeting with the Bureau and Steve, who's a prominent business owner, um, who really doesn't necessarily like the idea of us having our own transport ambulances, sure. was extremely frustrated with the state. And what he told me at that time was, you try every other thing possible prior to moving on a CON. And once you've done that, then I'll support you. Yeah. No, and you look at uh, the work that uh, obviously now Chief Dominski has done um, and all the crews in documenting, you know, the, the challenges that we have faced, the issues that we've had. There's been a lot of work uh, that's been put in that maybe not everybody realizes that has gotten us to this point now. Right. And and we have put in a lot of work. And every time we've gone to the state, we've hit uh, roadblocks. Every time we've sat down with the current uh, transport provider, we've mm -hmm. run into roadblocks. Now, I, I want to qualify that it's not the crews on the street necessarily that we have an issue with. We work very well in partnership with the folks, the boots on the ground from the ambulance transport company as well as our folks. Our issue is with the parent company and not providing the capacity in this area. And then the state, because there's no checks and balances at the state level. There's no Regular, there's regulatory authority, but they refuse to exercise it. And it, sure. it leaves us in a bind when it comes to ambulance transport, extended response times, engines being stuck on scene. We have transported a patient in the backseat of their POV because they were, and that's 
for those uh, who aren't familiar with POV, that's a privately owned vehicle. <laughs> so we transported them in the backseat of their own yeah. car because they were too critical to put in the engine and we couldn't get a transport ambulance. And in an area like ours, that's just not acceptable. No doubt. And you look at the the crews have worked to maintain that relationship with the current provider, like you mentioned. And at the same time, they've had to overcome some of those obstacles that, uh, you know, again, you're looking at just what's the next step in uh, finding a lot more long-term solution. Right. Well, and in the last, uh, the last stand that we took, we filed as interveners with the city of Prescott um, as AMR, who's the, the parent company of Lifeline, uh, where we're submitting to the state to, quote unquote, update their certificate of necessity and improve response times. Uh, now, uh, as a reminder, that CON had not been updated since 1984. Those those response times hadn't been touched in that length of time, despite concerns raised by us as well as the city of Prescott. And so what they were submitting in the CON wasn't something we felt was really, it, it doesn't meet national standards. Sure. And it, our data shows that uh, the company doesn't meet the standards they're putting in place. However, because their CON 62 covers 9,000 square miles um, and they can average the times over that 9,000 square miles, um, and there's some question about the validity of the data as it's presented, because again, there's no checks and balances or audits at the state. Um, our data and their data uh, don't match. And so we intervened and we went to the state and, and we went to court. And what surprised us was that the attorney general for the Department of Health Services, the, the Bureau of EMS in the state of Arizona, argued that the city of Prescott and Central Arizona Fire and Medical Authority have no standing to argue or complain about response times and CONs, in part because we're not a CON holder, mm -hmm. so we have no voice, sure. um, and they don't believe that we have a background sufficient enough to understand response times. Sure. Yep. Um, no, I think, like I say, I think that's the, been the driving force with taking that next step, which is good. Right. So when we brought this back to the board, we, we said, we've tried everything. And, at, uh, you know, over five years, we've, we've gone every route we can. And then uh, at the September meeting, they gave us a direction to move forward and start looking at a CON process. What does that look like? And we spoke to several consultants over the last year. Uh, we landed on one that we thought was exceptional. Mm -hmm. And at Monday's, uh, on, at their Monday board meeting, October 26th, we went to the board with a consultant. The consultant laid out what a CON process looks like, and we asked the board it, for permission to move forward with uh, submitting an application for a certificate of necessity for our agency, which they unanimously approved, uh, and we signed an engagement letter with a consultant. Yep. No, and I think uh, it's important for everybody to understand that this is just the the next step moving forward. There's a lot uh, of other things that uh, we have to overcome and obstacles to uh, to overcome, but uh, this is that next step. Right. And there's there there's a tremendous amount of work that uh, goes into this process. And you're talking 18 to 24 months. Uh, for those listening, we're not buying ambulances tomorrow. We're not hiring paramedic EMTs tomorrow. Um, this is going to take some time. And the first step in the process in working on the application is looking at the financial side because 
there's, there's really three goals that we have as CAFMA. The first is uh, we want to leave the profit side of transport to the private companies. We are not trying to make the profit on this. S goal number two is we have to remain revenue neutral. That's part of the statute. So we have to remain revenue neutral, which means this doesn't go on to the tax rate. There's an initial investment up front that we're going to have to have, but over time we are revenue neutral. And then the third thing is, and this is the one of the most important ones for us and I think our personnel, and that's that uh, we, we need to supplement the system sure, so that there's more transport capability here. So um, uh, stay tuned for more on that as we progress. You'll hear some things possibly. Uh, if you look historically, when a fire department decides to start moving towards a CON, uh, one private provider in the state tends to uh, start speaking publicly and, and saying some things, we'll call it rhetoric. Um, we have answers for all of that. And, and if you want more details, then I recommend that you actually read the review uh, so the, that this overview of the review doesn't go too long. Um, John, anything to add on that? No. Again, like I say, it's uh, taking that next step. I, I, this is a milestone for us, as John said. This has been 18 years in the making plus. That's plus. just since he's been here. Yeah, plus. Uh, I've been here seven years, and we have been working on a resolution for our transport and response time issues for for years and in earnest over the last five years collecting data and, and trying everything we can. Uh, to no avail. So pretty exciting times for us. We're looking forward to uh, moving forward with this. Um, on to the articles that we chose for this week, John. One of them is called Five Crucial Ways You Hinder Your Own Self-Growth Without Even Realizing It. <laughs> yes, um, I think that'll be good because uh, like you mentioned, there's obstacles in our current path of the CON, but you know, you look at personally, there's obstacles that come to us from outside of us. Um, but there's also the obstacles we put in our own way, and whether it's from insecurities or uh, challenges you faced in the path uh, or past, I mean, uh, there's there's obstacles that we place in front of us ourselves sometimes that hinders personal growth or uh, goals that you want to achieve. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to another podcast. They were reviewing a book written by uh, General Clark. Um, the book's not really available anymore unless you want to spend a lot of money on it, if you can find a copy. But one of the things that General Clark said is we are all born without a ceiling. The ceiling that we individually have, we develop ourselves over the years. We we limit our ability through the choices that we make. And and I'm going to write an article more on that. But this one, you know, the, it goes through uh, five, as the, mm -hmm. the title says. Number one is you remain a victim in the story of your own life. And we know victimhood is not a path to success. Correct, yes. Uh, and number two, you don't allow yourself to chase the things you really want. And that's setting those stretch goals, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, so the, the second article this week is COVID's heavy toll, depression, suicides, opioid overdoses, increase in the pandemic era. I, I think we could add to that domestic abuse. Sure. Uh, we're seeing an increase in illness and time people have to spend in the hospital because they're they're not seeking care. Uh, and that's not just here. We're seeing this all over the country. This article is actually out of Michigan. Yeah. No, I think if you look at our call volume and the, the nature of the calls that are going on right now, we're seeing it um, at, at an increase as well. It may be at a smaller level in comparison to a large city, but I think we're still seeing those same increase in those issues. And the unfortunate side of this is, 
uh, this type of data is supposed to be used as part of a decision-making metric um, to see if the, the current uh, path that we're on as a country uh, for dealing with COVID is the correct path. And um, clearly, uh, none of this, and I, I've talked to someone at Johns Hopkins, and they've admitted that they're not looking at it like they should be. Um, so the, the experts out there are not doing their due diligence and looking at the metrics. And it seems based on some of the, the recent data that things are worse, uh, today than they, they should be. And, and we need to take all of that into account. It's a global picture. So, um, that's the second article, uh, that we have this week. And then obviously again, you know, we're very excited. This is a milestone for our agency moving forward with a certificate of necessity. Um, John, anything you want to add? I don't. Okay. Well, we went a little bit longer than uh, what we intended sure. for an overview of the review. The rest of them will be shorter, but because the certificate of necessity is such a big topic, uh, big we need, yeah, it's a huge step. We, we need to give a little more background. So John, once again, thank you for uh, being here. Not that I really gave you a choice. Uh, I don't remember having a choice, but it's, no, it's no. a pleasure. Yeah. I appreciate your time. So, And for all of you out there, we look forward to uh, you listening and, and tuning in, uh, as well as actually reading uh, the review. Uh, for those who are not subscribers, you can go to our website and subscribe. For those who are subscribers and don't like it, uh, you can unsubscribe unless you're a CAFMA employee, in which case you have no option but to receive it. So uh, we look forward to talking again uh, next week. John, thank you. Our producer, Jonah, thank you very much for your time. And have a great day.